0: Alright, hello everybody and welcome to this week's AEW Weekly Review Roundup thing. I don't know what we're doing here, but we're we're here on a Saturday rather than a, a Thursday. So that's that's the difference here. And we're talking about all that happened in AEW this week. Um, An awesome woman's main event we're going to get into and, and really just some enjoyable television. I'm in a good mood today, guys. I was in a good mood this week watching a lot of this. So I'm excited to get into all of it. And I appreciate your guys' flexibility with me. I know we did this last week and we did this week. I don't don't know if we're doing it next week. I would hope that we could just talk about Dynamite next week on Thursday, but we will see. Uh, There's a lot going on over here. turns out a wedding takes a lot of planning, you guys, and a lot of your time. But um, none of that. We're going to get into this entire week of AEW uh, and some awesome pro wrestling and apparently some sports entertainment that happened uh, right after this. (laughs) I came to AEW to dominate. on Jeff Perry. Nobody is gonna take this away from me. This is mine once again. D- so, yes, you guys, it finally happened this week. Britt Baker is no longer our AEW Women's Champion. It is now Thunder Rosa, and um, and let's start there. Let's we're gonna do we're gonna do I said last week we're gonna do the mat thing we're just kind of gonna jump around from here there and everywhere um, I have some stuff to talk about Rampage too I really enjoyed Rampage this week so we're gonna talk about that but yeah let's start with this woman's main event that happened on Dynamite and just jump right into it because this match if I picked it apart I could probably find a lot of stuff quote unquote I don't want to say wrong with it but just stuff that was clunky stuff that didn't really flow together well. Weirdly enough, it kind of felt like a lot of the chemistry didn't really work here and there. But like, like here's the way I can put it: this was no, you know, Bailey Sasha take over Brooklyn. I don't think this was as good as the uh, unsanctioned match either. I think, um, I think at the same time though, this match had a lot of expectations on it, and I don't think that was necessarily fair to the women. I think that was the way that this got booked, and and it didn't really. It had the weight of the Revolution match weighing on it as well. However, I will say that sometimes pro wrestling has this weird way of doing this where we have all this stuff leading up to it that maybe, like, here's the best example. Sasha Banks, Bianca Belair, WrestleMania, Night One last year. I think that is in top five worst feuds of all time, right? Like, not worst feuds of all time. Maybe worst feuds in the last... I don't know, a couple of years, last last couple of years. But on the night, right, guys, the emotion, just the feeling, the Bianca Belair holding back tears, like the just the, the spectacle of the actual occasion just kind of took over. And then also the pro wrestling, like the women just kicked each other's butts. And uh, it was such an amazing match and such an amazing moment. And it was really uh, like a historical thing to be a part of. Awesome, right? I don't think Thunder Rosa Britt Baker has nearly like is nearly on the level of Sasha Banks Bianca Belair, um, even that match that night quality wise. But I also don't think the feud was nearly as bad as as Sasha Banks and Bianca Belair was leading up to this. I think they definitely had a couple hiccups and and some weird decisions and some stuff that felt forced. And they really just lent on like a, a match is a good match, right? But if you keep banging at home about how incredible it was, it starts to just lose its specialness um so so to me with all that being said though like the positive of this was is like on the night steel cage comes down thunder rosa's entrance was awesome you guys like really really awesome and i'm looking at some pictures as i'm talking about this too just to jog my memory because it was uh wednesday that this went down and it's saturday and i have the memory of a 92 year old so but yeah, the entrance in itself, like just the spectacle, the the idea of doing I think I think they had the right idea of doing this in San Antonio because hometown crowd it, you know, Thunder Rosa couldn't have felt more over I will say that it it was the way we got there I didn't love, but the fact that we did get there I did enjoy. And that's kind of a theme I have with AEW a lot. So And Britt Baker was over as a heel as well. Like, nowhere else have I heard Britt Baker get booed so much. Yes, there were a few DMD chants here and there, but it really was a great dynamic. And, uh... Really incredible stuff. Uh, really, just the it was the actual spectacle of the crowd. Like, also shout out to San Antonio too. Just the crowd itself was so into this, and they deserve to be too. Um, because this really, these women put their bodies on the line. So yes, was this clunky from here and there? Sure, were the spots perfect? No, but I kind of liked that. It felt like a fight. It felt like a fight. It really. I don't know if anybody else got the vibe that, like, it felt like Britt Baker almost cut herself too much, which is weird because she didn't bleed nearly as much as she might have in that unsanctioned match. But she just looked wobbly and dizzy. I, I, I couldn't I couldn't tell what exactly was going on. But also, that new championship belt, I love that new championship belt. Um, I think it's way better than the other one, obviously. It looks like a real championship belt. And to have um, Aubrey Edwards come in and... and be officiating the end of that match obviously with the way that we got there with the other referee who by the way I I forget who it was but took took that super kick like a champ because that was a rough bump that was a Joey Janela super kick and if you know you know uh so I really uh I really enjoyed this overall I just I was in the moment I wasn't like I wasn't like oh well she didn't sell that long enough and like this wrestling pro wrestling is supposed to make you feel and this made me feel. And did I have complaints leading up to it? Absolutely. Could I pick it apart and say this was bad, this was bad, whatever, I didn't really like this? Yes. But when Britt Baker landed on that weird chair set-up thing that she had, did I cringe and feel it myself at home? Absolutely. When the crowd were behind Thunder Rosa, did I feel that in my bones at home? Yeah, absolutely. And, um, and there was a really good spot, too, on the outside where Britt Baker just, like, chucked a chair at her. I really liked that. It just felt desperate. Uh, the grinding of Britt Baker's face against the cage really was great. And then the finish with the thumbtacks. Some might say that AEW's getting a little bit thumbtack heavy. I say bring back the Legos. Bring bring back the Legos because that was brutal. Uh, but yes, more thumbtacks for sure. However, the finish with Thunder Rosa slamming Britt Baker's hands into the thumbtacks. And then Aubrey Edwards being a champ and just... Uh, slamming her hand down for the three count too was awesome. I don't know if anybody else noticed too. Britt Baker has got this TV wrestling thing down to a T at this point. Sometimes almost a little bit too much to me, but she always finds the camera and the camera finds her. It's like a beautiful relationship between Britt Baker and the hard cam. Pro- probably better than her relationship with Adam Cole. I'm just kidding. There's nothing wrong with their relationship. But yes, yeah, she's really, I don't know. Actually, I don't know if there's anything wrong with their relationship. I don't know why I said that. We're going to move on. Hard cam. Hard cam. She always finds the camera, and it, not always the hard game, but she always finds the camera. She knows she's wrestling on TV, and she plays to that so well. And so when she got the thumbtacks in her hand after Brick was slamming her hand, or excuse me, Thunder Rosa was slamming her hand down in it, she runs up to the camera and is like almost showing the camera it. It's just, it, it helps the the experience at home, watching it, watching from home on TV. It just makes it so much better. Uh, so she really is a, a, an awesome TV wrestler. And this... I don't think this title reign was necessarily legendary. I definitely think it put the women's division on the map more than it was before. I think um, I'm excited to see the new dynamics with the babyface champion similar to um, the the dynamics with Hangman Page now. But with the babyface champion... And heel challengers, I think that's going to be really exciting. However, I will say I do prefer a heel champion and babyface challengers, just as a as a rule. But obviously, you can't always have that going. And I think um, I think Thunder Rosa is going to be a great champion. I'm not like the biggest Thunder Rosa fan, not just because she is, was like have, has this feud with Britt Baker. I think this feud has been awesome uh, to you know to an extent. But I uh, she just doesn't similar to like a, a Darby Allen. She just kind of doesn't do it for me but, uh, subjectively, right, that's all subjectively, objectively, she was clearly super over here, she's clearly a great professional wrestler, and, you know, with all that being said, there's my transition, let's, let's talk about match on Rampage, let's move on over to Rampage, and we'll hop back over to Dynamite later, but, um, Darby Allin and the Butcher, oh my gosh, you guys, on Rampage, the Butcher beat the living but Jesus, out of Darby Allin, and, uh, this this whole card was just fun. this I w- I went into watching rampage. I'm not gonna lie to you guys. I, I was I was cranky going into it because I was like, I'm just kind of upset about how much of a B show that this has become. However, I, I don't know if you could have expected anything less considering. Considering the time slot, really, I don't know if any of you guys were watching the uh, NCAA tournament, but it ran over a little bit, too. I, I'm curious to see the ratings for this episode of Rampage, as well. But, you know, this definitely felt like a phoned-in show, booking-wise. But the actual wrestlers themselves were like, uh-uh, we're gonna make this the best Rampage of all time. And it really was such a fun experience watching it. So, I, I went into this cranky, and then I watched Darby Allen get the living crap beat out of him by the butcher and and I loved the finish F- somehow some way guys I loved a count out finish I thought yeah if I've got the crap beat out of me like the butcher just did to Darby Allen like it makes sense that I wouldn't be able to pin this guy Darby Allen is like the size of but- the butcher's quad uh and and there was a suicide dive, too, in this match. We were like, oh my gosh, he went right into the railing. Watching the Butcher fling him back and forth from the railing to the steps looked brutal. There were some clotheslines in this match that I I felt every orifice of my body just cringe because it looked so rough to take. And Darby Allen took it all like a champ. So I really enjoyed the opening match here. And obviously, Darby Allen getting the win. Similar thing with the Hardys coming down to make the save from the AFO. Uh, it sounds like UFO. I don't know, uh, but, uh, you know, despite the fact that they have to skip the entrances to get all this stuff in, and it makes it feel a little bit less like a big deal, somehow, someway, these guys just, again, this felt like a phoned-in show, but these guys entertained the crap out of me. I probably enjoyed the wrestling on Rampage this week more than I did on Dynamite, uh, which is weird considering the names and all that, but I just had a good, this. this hour flew by and this was a great start to it, so... Uh, speaking of which, Layla Hirsch and Red Velvet. Similar to, for me, to the main event on Dynamite with the, the women, Thunder Rosa and, and Bert Baker, obviously. I thought that this, and similar to the, the match with uh, Chris Statlander, actually, on the buy-in for Revolution. I didn't think this was greatest match of all time material at all. I definitely thought there were some clunky spots here and there. I think Layla Hirsch, her size, kind of, like, I don't, I don't think she has the Daniel Bryan quality, like, you know, 100% down yet. I think she's definitely could be there without a doubt, but she's so tiny that you kind of want to root for her. But um, she definitely is is developing as a heel, and it's been fun to watch. And she is doing all the stuff she needs to be doing. The crowd were definitely into this match for some of it, and uh, every time Red Velvet does that moonsault, I I like shrivel up. I just get so nervous that she's gonna break her neck. Uh, and there were some rough bumps for Red Velvet in this match too. Some rough kicks. That kick to the back that made that sl- like that noise that just echoed in my ear. Still here we are Saturday afternoon. It's still echoing in my ear. Uh, but I really like this match as well. I won't spend too much time on it. And and Chris Catlander looks awesome. I don't know if she wanted to take the alien makeup off. I don't know if it was a decision that was made for her. I don't. I I doubt that because it sounds like they have a little bit more creative control than than that but uh she looks awesome and boop or no boop and alien chris Atlander or not i I don't really care i hope this means that she gets taken as a little bit more of a serious challenger and you know what guys i say i book her to take the uh tnt title off of um not tnt title tbs title off of uh jade cargill i think that would be a really awesome match just like those are some like, some hosses of some women throwing it back and forth so that's where i'd like to see her go next but uh, we had House of Black, Bear Country, and Fuego uh, versus Bear Country and Fuego del Sol. Someone, I think it was Chris Jericho had a funny line on commentary about how asked Fuego del Sol was the cub. Uh, there was this, this was great too, guys. This was just fun to watch. And I've been a little bit more down on Black, uh, House of Black than I think most people are out there. Because they're a little bit cheesy to me. Uh, but, oh, my God, the sequences in this. Like, it wasn't A-plus perfect, but what the heck? That ending sequence with uh, Brodie Lee, Suicide Dive, Malachi Black, beautiful. Like, mm, picture perfect, Charlotte Flair, Moonsault on the outside. And then whatever the heck Buddy Matthews did to Fuego Del Sol in the ring and to get the pinfall. Like, what uh, the speed, the speed. Of that whole sequence. And the whole sequence is like all the sequences beforehand. But really the ending sequence was awesome. Was really awesome. It did make uh, Malachi Black look like the most dangerous man on planet Earth. Because these giant guys in bear country were getting their ass beat. Uh, so yeah. I, I Again just a fun experience watching the show. And then Keith Lee versus Max Caster max caster another great rap the acclaimed are so over and i thought i was worried that they were going to get cheered kind of because we have keith lee as you know your your lovable baby face right now but kind of similar to adam cole right they get the pop beforehand and then they get in the ring and these guys do what they got to do and they get booed out of the building so this had the crowd was like i'm talking about this was you know if anybody's ever been to a dynamite live event or like a dynamite then rampage taping it's a lot especially because you get Dark or Dark Elevation, whichever one it is, right beforehand. Like, it's a lot. It's a lot of wrestling. And the crowd was still so up for this at the end. So I was super, super into that. Again, when the crowd is into it, it just makes it a more enjoyable watching experience. So objectively, clearly, this was over. Clearly, Keith Lee is so over. And, um, and the actual match itself, like, these guys took their time, and I was all here for it. I didn't feel like I wanted to look at my phone one time this entire show. You know, Rampage really just flies by, and this one flew by more than any other show yet, I thought. Anthony Bowens, by the way, looks awesome. Looks awesome. Both of these guys are going to be stars, and um, as each week goes by, I'm seeing that a little bit more and more. Like, these guys have got it. Whatever it is, they have got it, and uh, I'm excited to see what's next for the acclaimed I assume we're getting a baby face turn eventually. You saw that there was the signs for them and the audience and all that. And these guys are just too much fun. So I assume it's got to come along eventually. But clearly with the ending of this match, um, we still got a little ways to go with that with Team Taz versus Keith Lee. I'm, I Give me the Powerhouse Hobbs-Keith Lee match already. I'm ready. I'm ready for that one. Uh, and obviously as well with uh, Swerve Scott, who just feels like a star as well still. I'm excited to see where they go. I assume we're going to get the Acclaimed versus Keith Lee and Swerve. And then maybe we also get um, Keith Lee and Swerve versus Starks and Hobbs. And then we get the match of Hobbs and uh, Keith Lee. And then we also get Starks and Keith Lee. Uh, Then we get Starks and uh, Swerve. And then we get, well, Hobbs and Swerve. Like, there's, there's a whole... Bunch of combinations you can go from this, and I'm excited to see where they go next. So, yeah, I really enjoyed uh, Rampage overall, guys. It's just a total viewing experience. The Hardys coming out. They're clearly over. Jeff Hardy looks great. Uh, I'm I'm not taking back what I said. Well, you know what? This is my perfect transition back over to Dynamite. But Jeff Hardy does look great, so I will give him that. But, like I said, that is a perfect transition for me to jump right into the Hardy Boys versus Private Party. And you know what? I don't know why I feel like I haven't heard their theme song in the longest time, but I love the beginning of Private Party's theme song. Whatever they says, "Oh my god, is that Private Party?" i just like, that's just, for some reason it's just great. It's just great, and I uh and it's it's a recognizable thing and it's definitely going to help them in the long run. So, uh so yeah, the Hardy boys definitely look like they're, you know, the age that they are, but I will say that it was it was fun to see the greatest hits, and I think that's really what this whole thing is going to be. I'm I'm not having super high expectations for it. I'm just going to enjoy being able to watch Matt Hardy and Jeff Hardy wrestle while I still can. Uh, you know, these are guys of, of my generation as well, and uh, and like I, I've said on this podcast before, I love Jeff Hardy specifically. Really, really love Jeff Hardy uh, growing up. So it's good to see that they're able to still do all this stuff. I thought Private Party looked great in this. Was this again another perfect? You know fundamentally five-star, you know, technical masterpiece, no. But it was fun, and the crowd, this was probably, like, the the match that the crowd were the loudest for uh, all night with Jeff Hardy and Matt Hardy, specifically Jeff Hardy being so ridiculously over. Jeff Hardy is is timeless, not necessarily in the ring, but he is timeless, and his relationship with the audience and the fans is timeless, and it's, uh, it's infectious. You know, it's hard to be... Cranky about the fact that maybe Jeff Hardy doesn't move as well and move as fast when, you know, there's just this beloved, you know, relationship between him and the Vans, and, and I found myself being one of them on Wednesday night. So I like this match a lot, but there's not much to say. It wasn't anything incredible, incredible that blew me away. But it was just uh, it was just fun to see that the Hardy boys still are still so over. And, uh, and are still so beloved by, the, uh, by all wrestling audiences, really. So it's cool to see, like, it's something about these guys, like, specifically someone like a Jeff Hardy who comes over from WWE. Like, I was just baffled because the place that he was in that company, like, just placement-wise of, uh, yeah, he had the Intercontinental title reign. But, like, he would have been so perfect as a Roman Reigns challenger because the crowd would have been so behind him, so beloved and he of course we all know it's never going to happen. But imagine that hope spot. Imagine how loud that hope spot would be. Uh and then he comes into uh and he was really doing nothing. He was just floating around. I'm pretty sure he was doing some 24/7 stuff, right? But like he um 24/7 title stuff. He comes into AEW and it's just like he's Jeff Hart, like he's just Jeff Hardy again. He's Jeff Hardy again. Obviously, they're not the Hardy boys. I apologize. Actually, they're just the Hardys now, but can't uh, can't copyright their last name so at least they got to keep that one but yeah so moving on in in the dynamite world we started off the entire show with the undisputed uh adam cole kyle o'reilly and bobby fish versus i think they are they my my thing on here is saying that they're called the undisputed originals i don't know if i've heard that anywhere but i like that uh, Adam Cole, Kyle O'Reilly, Bobby Fish versus Hangman Page, Jurassic, and Jurassic Express, Jungle Boy, and Luchasaurus. Yes, Luchasaurus is over, man. And I, I live for it every single week. Luchasaurus being as over as he is. Now, there was a really cool spot here with the three guys doing the moonsaults. Uh, you know, Jungle Boy in the ring, and Luchasaurus and Hangman Page out of the ring. Luchasaurus doing it from the lowest spot, which was, again, mind blowing just to see how athletic that guy is. And I had that face of um, that Jungle Boy had when he did a shooting star press off the stage onto the guys. I think it was at full gear, if I'm correct. But, you know, I, I will say that this match didn't reach the heights of regular six-man action, I think, on Dynamite. I thought there were some electric spots between Hangman Page and Adam Cole for sure. I thought the victory of, of Adam Cole winning, or excuse, Adam Cole's team winning, was uh, was the r- right choice. Uh, pinning Jungle Boy was a surprise, but I trust AEW wherever they're going with that. I don't think they just do that. I think they, they, I think they have a calculated move for everything that they do, so, uh, but yeah, this wasn't anything super special for me. I wouldn't put it in the, in the Hall of Fame of six-man matches in AEW history, but it was a fun opening match. I, I just, I think I like the concept more than the actual execution of it in, in a lot of senses, so, uh, and speaking, of which speak perfect again. I like the concept, probably the execution of it. Was Brian Danielson, Brian Danielson versus John Moxley. This match, I want to say, went on too long, but I also don't because uh, jo- Brian Danielson and, and and John Moxley are so fun to watch wrestle together. Yes, but this is was not electric at all, and it went for a fairly long time. And AEW, that we we're not used to that as AEW fans. I don't think, but. It almost had to go as long as it did. Not almost. I think it did have to go as long as it did, to get to where we got towards at the end of the match, which was the fact that you've got a young rookie, right, in the ring against two of some of the most beloved professional wrestlers of all time, Brian Danielson and John Moxley. How excited were you, me, everybody, and their mother, for this tag team? And you've got Wheeler Yuta, who, yeah, is awesomely talented. Don't get me wrong; has had some cool matches, but like, nothing super stand out yet, right? Is getting cheered in a match with Brian Danielson and John Moxley, getting the crap beat out of him. Uh, is Wheeler Yuta was over. I don't know how they constructed this to make that happen, but it worked. And then obviously, and I think that needed the length of the match needed to happen for that. And the fact that Wheeler Yuta needed to hang in with these two guys and have that great near fall and another great near fall in order, I, I think Chuck, yes, Chuck Taylor is awesome, but I think he was just another moving part in this whole situation. The slap from William Regal. Excuse me. The slap from William Regal. Rie- William Guys, I am still hearing it in the other ear uh, that Layla Hirsch hasn't taken over already. But yeah, that was rough. Rough. And, and, and I have no idea how they're going to get to where they're supposed to be going or where they're even freaking going with this. But I'm enjoying the ride. Yes, was the match too long as a viewing experience? Did I enjoy it? Not really. Were the last couple of minutes super fired up and like that post segment really awesome? Absolutely. So worth it for sure. Just, 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 I don't, I, I think, I think. I don't think the sequencing of this match also helped. I don't think having it happen right after, which wasn't a super super electric right uh, six man tag team match right beforehand, didn't really um, didn't help its case. I maybe would have opened with this match that we're going to talk about next, which was Scorpio Sky versus Wardlow for the AEW TNT Championship, and uh, and yeah, this is I guess we're going to talk about one more segment too. But this was this was you couldn't have gone wrong with we're you couldn't have gone wrong really with the finish of this match i think and i think there was really two options that were out there which was wardlow was going to squash the crap out of scorpio squaw squi- scorpio sky and he was going to become the new tnd champion or you were going to have what we had happen here which was mjf's interference we had uh obviously sean spears interference and i will say that wardlow really looked like a dumb baby face here he was really over absolutely and um and I don't know how I feel about Dan Lambert wearing the other belt. Uh, it's it's definitely better than Sammy Guevara wearing two belts. But um, I, Scorpio Sky, I I don't think is over, and it sucks because he's he's. Some people just don't have that thing that it or some it. Sometimes it's not you. Just it's not your time or like sometimes there's just like a a missing piece that nobody really knows what it is or can find where it is and whatever and to me i just think there's just a missing piece because i think all the stuff scorpio sky is doing is great i thought the promo he had on rampage was really cool i like the little snap of his fingers maybe it's the whole dan lambert thing maybe that's not working but but there's something that's not working for me here I, i don't think they needed to take the title off him here and i don't think they need to take the title off him right away and i definitely think like scorpio sky is somebody who deserves this title reign sure but just because he quote-unquote deserves the title reign doesn't mean it's going to be entertaining. And so I, I don't think this match... I think this match suffered from that. I think this match suffered from... Yeah, I think that what didn't help. That just that was the first and foremost didn't help. And then, really, MJF's beatdown and the beatdown after the match and everything like that. Yes, it was cool to see him pay off Dan Lambert. Like, again, more just character development for MJF. He continues to pay people to do... His dirty work. Um, however, I, I it there wasn't a lot of heat. I, I felt like I felt like I didn't hear like this feud has been building to really this felt it sh- it felt like it should have been a culmination point. I thought, and you know what? I think the reason why it didn't feel like that is because I don't think it was. I think we're gonna get a way better culmination point. I hope we don't see Wardlow next week at all. Uh, obviously, MJF is speaking next week. We hear from MJF. I, I hope he sells. The loss to CM Punk in some way, some brilliant MJF way, because I I do want that to ma- like matter and mean something. I don't want us to just jump right into the Wardlow thing. I don't know. I I I am ready to see where this goes next. Absolutely, uh, and I'm along for the ride. And this wasn't bad by any means, but I will say that it just it seemed like a crowd that was really up for a lot of stuff wasn't really up for this whole segment. So. Uh, with all that being said, guys, the last thing I want to talk about here on our little weekly wrap-up, roundup review thing that I don't have a name for because this is not when I typically do a show uh, is the JAS, the Jericho Appreciation Society. <laughs> First of all, Chris Jericho looks great. I know, you know, there were people online making fun of his hair and whatever else and all this other stuff a couple weeks back, but, um, but he looks great, uh, and he looks like he's in a lot better shape too, all of a sudden, which is awesome. Uh, I know that's been coming on for a couple weeks, but and 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 Daniel Garcia, guys, looks like a freaking piece. Uh, I don't know if it's just the company he's in or what he's doing, but he looks awesome. So my first my first instincts with this promo, if you guys didn't see it for any reason, go watch it first and foremost. But obviously, Chris Jericho calling himself a sports entertainer, uh, he. He basically connected all the dots for us, which isn't always going to be the most entertaining thing, but it is necessary. Like, hey, why do I know these people? Why do these people like me? Why are they in the Jericho Appreciation Society? Right? Like, he talked about Matt and Jeff Lee um, with the new name. I'm not even gonna like um, the magic. What I'm not even gonna go there. The new names are, are wonderful, and um, and I'm super excited to see the the back and forth and the um, just the mic Mike's skills and the fun promos between uh, 2.0, who are no longer 2.0, just part of the Jericho Appreciation Society, and uh, Chris Jericho as well. I think that the all three of them already proved and and you know proved me right. They're going to play off of each other so well. But seeing Daniel Garcia have that same kind of vibe with them, I was surprised. I didn't think I'd like that, and I think it really worked. But yes, Chris Jericho says. He connects the dots Why? Why um, with the Kevin Owens and the Jericho show and get them signed for AEW, and then he talks about Daniel Garcia. He talks about January 6th, I think was the date. Um, and he says that, uh, you know, Daniel Garcia was in an accident. He donated this money, yada, yada, yada. That's why Daniel Garcia is in the Jericho Appreciation Society. That one was more important to me. I think, like, the goons are okay to just be in the Jericho Appreciation Society, but somebody like Daniel Garcia, who... who He's a wrestler's wrestler, and we all think has probably a great future ahead of him uh, as a star one day even. It, it seemed a little bit funny to me, and they addressed that right away, right off the bat. That's why I tried to say last week, I was saying, you know, I'm, I'm going to let this play out. I'm going to let this play out because I have... Chris Jericho is one of the greatest of all time, and as annoying as he can get sometimes, uh, the man is better than anybody else at, at just coming up with new stuff over and over and over again and continuing to stay relevant. So, you know, make fun of his hair, make fun of him... Say he got ab implant surgery, which is freaking ridiculous, but this guy knows what he's doing. And then they have Chris Jericho calling himself a sports entertainer, right? Which, yes, was jarring at first. But then Daniel Garcia is saying, whoa, 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 Chris Jericho, if, if you're a sports entertainer, then I'm one too or whatever. And it was really, really well done just because we all are know as Daniel Garcia is a pro wrestler's pro wrestler. Uh, and so, yeah, is Chris Jericho a little over the top? Absolutely a little. He's a, way over the top. But that's exactly what this whole gimmick is all about. Jericho Appreciation Society. It, it's, it is over the top in nature. So, they yeah, have their first match coming up on Dynamite, Daniel Garcia, and Chris Jericho. I'm excited to see the chemistry between these guys in the ring as well. I, I didn't know if it was going to work. And so far, I'm on board with this whole thing. So, with all that being said, guys, that's kind of your AEW weekly wrap up thing, what, thing, Majiggy. I'm excited to see when CM Punk comes back. I'm excited to see where Britt Baker goes next with Jamie Hayter. Who's going to turn face? Who's going to turn heel? Maybe neither does. Maybe they do whatever they want to do. I'm not sure. And, uh, and Cody Rhodes signed with WWE officially, actually, as of today, this morning. Um, news story broke that about a week or two ago, he signed 100% official, and he's going to kind of debut at WrestleMania is kind of the plan now, and then he's going to uh, be a big part after WrestleMania, which is good, because WWE kind of goes into the lull after WrestleMania. Well, that goes into a lull all year round. But uh, I'm I'm all happy for Cody Rhodes, and I'm happy he's doing whatever he feels is best for him and his family and money and all that stuff, so power to him. Uh Godspeed, Cody Rhodes, that is all I can say. Godspeed. And I'm excited to talk to you guys about Dynamite and or Rampage next week. So with all that being said, thank you as always for listening, you guys, and we will uh well I will talk to you guys next time.